welcome back to the Eurotrips Football Podcast, where we once again review all things going on domestically in Europe's top few leagues. I'm your host, Andy, and I'm this week joined by just one guest, um, returning guest, of course, you'll know, you'll know him by now. Ryan, how are you, mate? I can't complain, mate. I, I'm I'm glad you said, I, I'm surprised you said you're doing well, considering what happened yesterday. And that's really where we're going to begin. Uh, because there were some exciting matches going on this weekend. I mean, there was a hell of a, a game at Tottenham where Bournemouth won the game in the last minute, uh, you know, where Spurs could have won it a minute later. We saw Brighton get a shock result 2-1 at Chelsea. Um, you know, we saw teams get big wins to try and stay up, you know, likes of Wolves getting win over Brentford, Palace beating Southampton, you know, and then the other teams that didn't do quite as well. I mean, Everton... Their relegation odds have been, you know, haven't been helped by this loss to Fulham at home. You know, Brentford, their chance to getting a, a European place has taken a hit. And of course, we're recording this podcast about two hours before Liverpool take on Leeds. Of course, Liverpool, their hopes top four are pretty much done. Uh, but a loss here would certainly seal that. And for Leeds, you know, a win for them at home against Liverpool would really help their relegation survival and of course Manny beat Forest um, with Newcastle losing to Villa so there was a lot that went on this weekend a quite exciting week but it's only really one place we have to go to and it's really involving Ryan's team Arsenal as they once again let a 2-0 lead away from home slip Um, this time they they couldn't even blame Xhaka or or an Anfield crowd um, as they drew two all at West Ham Um, so two goals in the first 10 minutes so Jesus and Udegaard um, some lovely, lovely goals. I mean, I didn't see the game myself, but I watched the highlights and those goals were spectacular. Then a penalty from Ben Rama, just after half an hour mark. And then the key part, which could be a key part to title race come the end of the season. Uh, within five minutes, Saka missed a penalty and Jad Bowen scored at the other end. So that really affects Arsenal. I mean, if I'm honest, it doesn't really affect Arsenal in terms of what they got to do against City. Uh, they can if they beat City, they'll still be top of the table. They're currently four points clear with a game played more, uh, because that game is looming against Man City. It's in um, nine days' time, so it's um, a midweek game. I think it's two weeks Wednesday, the twenty sixth of April, whatever day that is of the week. Um, so if, it hasn't really changed um, too much in terms of you know they still they still beat City. You know it, that's all forgotten about, but I think it does potentially impact them in terms of. Now they can't really afford um, to lose and get away with it. Um, but enough of me talking. Um, Ryan, you obviously watched the game. Um, your take on, on that uh, on that draw against West Ham? Well, if you'd have asked me yesterday how I was feeling, it would be a very different answer and a very different mood because it's not often this season I've been angry watching Arsenal. You know, there's not really been anything to be angry about at the end of the day, um, unless you're a hater. But I was angry yesterday. I was really frustrated by how we played in the second half. It was one of the strangest things I've ever seen from from an Arsenal team, given how well we played in the first half, the first 20, 25 minutes, exactly the same against Liverpool. We were absolutely excellent. We were dominant. You know, you had players running all over the place, players out of position, but it was almost like they were told to do that. And it was working. And we got the two goals. We were absolutely, absolutely cruising. Um, and uh, yeah, then the penalty was given away. 
at the time I did think it was a penalty, but then I looked back at it and not only should it have been a handball in the build-up to Declan Rice, but I also felt there was very minimal contact for Paqueta to go down in the, in the manner in which he went down. But of course, he's going to do that to, to win himself a penalty for his team. So, you know, fair play, they got the goal. And yeah, the second half, it was... It was just so weird. We came out and it looked like 11 different players. They they were not passing the ball with any kind of fluidity. They were you know, misplacing them all over the pitch. Players didn't know where you know, other players were on the pitch. It was just so disjointed and it looked so flat and they had no energy whatsoever. I felt Mikhail's substitutes, you know, not for the first time this season, were were wrong. I didn't agree with some of them that he made. He brought Jesus off, who, you know, although he got a goal and he was very good in the first half, second half he did start very poorly, but he was still arguably the most creative player we had on the pitch. Uh, he should have brought a sacker off. He hasn't looked at it for the last couple of games. Maybe it's caught up with him this season and he is, you know, tired and maybe needs a rest. But, yeah, they just didn't look at it in the second half and, we were probably lucky again to escape with a point considering because we had pretty much no shots on target in the second half. We were really, really, really poor. And it was just incredibly frustrating given the stakes, you know. And what what annoyed me more towards the end of the game is, you know, we had five, ten minutes left and all they were doing was just passing it around at the back. And I'm thinking, you know, you, you got to get the ball forward. A point, a point is not good enough at this stage of the season. Um... I haven't slept on it and how I feel today. It's a little bit different. Obviously, I'm still annoyed, but I also look at the positive side of the things and the fact that it is still in our control. Even if Man City win their game in hand, there's still a point behind us. I know we have to go and play them, but we could afford to go there and, and get a draw and we would still be a point clear. Um, so we don't have to go there to win, but if we did, it would be absolutely massive. The only other game that I fear apart from that is Newcastle away. But then again, they got beat at the weekend by Villa quite comfortably. So, you know, the pressure may start to, to get on them in their race for the Champions League. So, yeah, I don't, uh, yeah, I don't feel quite as quite as annoyed as, as I did yesterday. Um, but what what did annoy me is rival fans. Uh, sort of uh, trying to bait Arsenal fans almost on social media after the game yesterday. You know, we got a little bit against Liverpool, and uh, understandably so because we did bottle it yesterday. But for the likes of Chelsea fans and United fans, Liverpool fans to an extent, uh, even Spurs fans, Christ, who were you know piping up. And you know, almost laughing, you know, saying that we've bottled uh bottled the league title, you know, in our hands and all this other rubbish. And I'm thinking, you know, come off it. All we've heard throughout the entire season is how, you know, Man City is still gonna go on and win it. They're gonna win the last 10, 15 games on the spin. And and you know, it'd be a miracle for Arsenal to win it. And now because it might go the opposite way and Man City may now win it, it it's a bottle from Arsenal, and I think it's absolutely not. At the start of the season, many people didn't even predict us to get into the top four, never mind mount this incredible title challenge. And yes, although we found ourselves in the in this position, you know, I, I heard Roy Keane going on about it yesterday with 
with Gary Neville and, and Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank on Sky Sports. And, you know, Roy Keane saying it would be a disastrous season if we finished second to Manchester City. And I'm thinking, absolutely not. If it was the other way around and it was Manchester United in that position, he would not be saying the same thing. The same with Chelsea and Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. Definitely not. How can think, anybody... Do you think element of that... Sorry to interrupt you there. Do you think element of that is the fact that it's all sort of changed expectations as the season's gone on? I mean... Uh, even though obviously I had you guys finishing sixth or seventh, I think it was start of the year. I had you guys outside top four, but do you mm. think it'd be disappointing in the sense that you were what eleven points clear at one point? I think it was, albeit I think you had a game played more, uh, more than City. Mm. But do you think it's in that point? Do you think it is because you guys know that City, obviously, are a great team, but they've given you chance after chance to win this league. You look at all the drop points they had in this season, and I think there's an element. of I think some Arsenal fans have thought that I know Theo Baker has talked about it and I know a lot of people around Arsenal fans saying we may never get a better chance to win the league because City have, have even though they've been in good form recently, they have dropped off. They haven't been the same as they were last year. I think they won less points than they were this time last year. Do you think in that point of view, do you think there's a, 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 a disappointment because of the fact that it was sort of so at one point, Simonke, we're going to win it? No, absolutely not, because I've got arguments against that. Um, just starting with the fact that even 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 the most you know loyal and passionate Arsenal fans, you know, would never have dreamt that we'd be in this position in which we are in, and you know we're way ahead of schedule in terms of our rebuild under Mikel Arteta. You look where he's taken us in in such a short amount of time, and of course I understand that expectations they do change over the course of the season and I've seen you know rival fans you know coming out with these silly numbers of, of points that we were apparently clear at certain stages of the season which is you know most of them are completely inaccurate because most of the time Manchester City had games in hand on us in uh, in those periods as well so I think at one stage the only stage where we've been clear um, about games in hand I think is seven points so that's pretty much, you know, two games. And that is not a lot in football at the end of the day. We've seen teams bowl much, much bigger leads than that in title races, not just in England, but throughout Europe. So, and and, and look, when, you know, it's not happened yet. You know, they've not bottled it yet. Um, and I, I understand that there will be some fans from our fan base disappointed if we do finish second. Of course, I'll be gutted. But I won't be disappointed because how can you be, where with 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 the progression that we've made, and the people that say, oh, you know, you'll never get a better chance in this. You know, this was something Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank kept going on about, and I'm thinking, it's it's so inaccurate. It's absolutely astonishing. Every single season, you get these people who say the teams that haven't been performing well will be better next season. How do they know that? Because you go through them, the only two teams in the league, in my opinion, that will have any kind of stability going into next season will be Arsenal and Manchester City. Because you look at, I mean, Manchester United, maybe to a degree, because they know who their manager is going to be. They know roughly what their best 11 may well be. They're probably going to try and bring another centre-back in. But apart from that, they haven't really got to do much of a rebuild. Um, Liverpool, need an entirely new midfield and it's now shifted from going after Jude Bellingham to 
going after maybe the likes of, you know, McAllister from Brighton or Barella from Inter. Um, entirely different profiles of players and players that are still going to cost, you know, big sums of money, which um, Liverpool may not yet have. Obviously, they've decided not to go for Bellingham because they've deemed it too expensive and they they need to bring more players in rather than going for one person. I do understand that. But they're, they're, they're no certainty to be back you know, at their best next season, because even if they do bring these players in, you know, they need time to gel. They need time to settle in and, and to forge relationships with each other, especially in midfield. And there's no guarantee that Mo Salah will be the same next season as well. So that's Liverpool. In regards to Chelsea, I mean, they've got about 40 first team players of which they're going to need to sell a fair amount of those come the summer, not just for financial fair play reasons, but obviously to keep, the squad happy. I mean, you know, when you're spending, you know, a hundred odd million pounds on a player like Mudrick and you're having to see him get changed in a corridor because there's no space in the first team dressing room. Like, are you kidding me? That is incredibly embarrassing for a club of Chelsea's standard and stature. And you think you read the things in the athletic article about what's been going on at Chelsea. It's, it's absolutely comical. It's, it's like something out of, it's almost like a dramatized version of, of the office, it's it, 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 pure madness. So, I ha- and and again, we don't know who their manager will be next season. Um, I don't believe they will be even challenging for top four next season. Never mind the title. So I can rule them out as well. Spurs, again, don't know who their manager is going to be. Um, they, they they're never really up there anyway, fighting for the title. And obviously, there's still an uncertainty around Harry Kane's future. Hon Min Song hasn't been as as good this season. You know, he's starting to get on. They don't have really any, you know, top quality young players coming through their system. A lot of their players are getting on now. Very disjointed system. So they're not going to be up there. And the likes of Newcastle, Aston Villa, these other clubs who are trying to push themselves into the the so-called top six, I don't believe they will be um, ready for next season as well. So this whole narrative of, oh, you know, these teams are going to improve next season is is, is massively incorrect. And I just feel with, with Arsenal, we've got a team full of very young players, nowhere near their peaks yet. They're only going to improve. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're tying most of them down to new long-term contracts, meaning they're more than likely going to be with us for the long term. Whereas we're up against the Manchester City side, with pretty much all of their players at the absolute peak of their powers, with the best manager in the world, considering the fact that they've also uh, cheated the system for the last 10 years. You know, we're up against pretty much the Lance Armstrong of, of, of football in that respect, but that's a different discussion. You can't take away how good they are still on the pitch. And for me, it'll be absolutely no no disgrace whatsoever if we finished second to them. I know it's not a trophy, but I'll, I will view it as a massive step forward in the right direction. And yeah, I just can't really say more than that. Yeah, I think you made some good points and I, I do agree with a lot of it. I, I will say that I think City, they could get Bellingham still. You know, I, I think that I don't I think whilst you've got a good young team, you know, it, it is a small squad and I think that you know, I know you proved this year you've done it with a small squad as well, but I think that there is an element of, you know, it, it's hard to tell because you've only really seen this team be good for one year. I think, you know, should they, you know, they, they could 
again, next year be the same again and we'll think that's a good time. But it's really only been one year where you've been that good. So I think that there's definitely should be some concern, but I think you're right. I mean, we had seasons where we finished second and then finished seventh next year. I think 2008, 2009 finished second. Next year, seventh, Rafa sacked. Uh, 13-14 seconds, and then I think we were the same position the year after. But both of those times, we lost big players, like Xabi Alonso the one year, and Luis Suarez, and obviously Daniel Sturridge missed the whole year for injury. So it, I think as long as you keep your players, which is I think you walk, I don't think you'll sell your players. Um, I think obviously, and when you get Jesus back for the whole year as well, provided he doesn't get injured again, and Trossard will be there for the whole season. He only joined in January. Jorginho the same. So I, I think you're right, uh, but I think definitely is a worry that in that point of view, that City might just buy more players, etc. But going back to Arsenal's rest of your fixtures, I think, for me, I don't think Newcastle's a worry for you as much as one I'm thinking of, because I covered the Villa game um, on Saturday for Babel, and they they were really bad, um, and they are a good team, so I still think... They're, but I think the one you have to watch out for is Brighton at home. Uh, mm. Brighton have been very good this year. You know, they've beaten Manu away from home, they've beaten us twice... Um, although they drew with us at Anfield and won at Brighton, you know they beat Chelsea four one at home. This has all been after Potter. They gave you guys a good run four two loss. You know they they've had some good results in their team that have got a small chance of making it to Europe. I think right now looking at a the table, they're currently in seventh, but they're four points behind Spurs in fifth with two games in hand. So they're, they're a very good team, and I think that should be the way for you. I think more than Newcastle. Because that's going to be three games left of the year. Brighton have, have proved it both with Potter and with Dzerbi that they can do it against the big teams and against teams that they have no fear almost against these against top six. So I think that should be the one you you, you pin mark in your calendar more than Newcastle in terms of ones ones to worry about. Um, even at home yeah. because Brighton have got such a good record against these good teams of late. Yeah, no, I I do agree. Um, I actually did. Did forget the fact that we do have to play Brian. We also do have Chelsea at home, but that's one that I'm not very worried about at the moment. But the good thing is that Brian also have to play Manchester City as well. Mm. Um, could be absolutely massive. Um, I'm just actually double checking whether that is at Brighton or Manchester because that could be pivotal in uh, in the title race. As you say, Brighton, I've got you know every reason to be picking up points at the end of the day because a top four finish is, like you say, not out of the realms of possibility in considering, you know, Newcastle drop points at the weekend, as we mentioned, and Tottenham are dropping points left, right and centre. So we could actually see the likes of Aston Villa or even Brighton nick that fourth spot, which would be just just amazing. But um, Yeah, Brighton looking... are at home. Yeah, Brighton are at home. I'm just looking now, they're... The final home game of the year as well against City. They'll be bang up for that. Um, wow, that, game. That, that that could be that could be so so important. Not mm. just uh, the title race, but like we say, for for Brighton getting getting European football. So what what an end of the season that game because I believe we're at home to Wolves as well, who yeah uh, started picking up results. So they could be safe by then and have nothing to play for. So it could if it does go down to the end of the season, that is. That is very interesting, um, and I, that is that but, is a game in hand as well. The one that City have that is the one. It's a midweek game. It's um, I mean, annoyingly for you guys, they're playing Southampton just before that, so they're going to be probably they can probably afford to play their second team against Southampton and still win. So um, it's still midweek, but they might 
they might they may well rest some players, I think, against um against Southampton because of how bad they are. They have been this year. Yeah, no, without a doubt. And as as we've mentioned as well, they've you know we mentioned it last week they've got um Champions League fixtures as well in in the midst of all this they've got a FA Cup semi final um against Sheffield United play as well so they they've got a lot more games still to play than what we do which which could very well benefit us at this stage luckily enough next week we play before they do on the Friday night against Southampton at the Emirates which should should be three points but um, I'm a lot less confident than I, than I yeah. would have been a few years ago. Um, but we yeah, tend to do very well. <laughs> you just jinxed it now. We tend to do well in Friday night games anyway, so especially at home. So I'm, I'm hoping that that, that is uh, still the case anyway. Yeah. Um, I mean, I want to touch on one other thing about the Premier League before we do go on to Serie A, is that Chelsea is an interesting one. So they're currently 11th, right? So they've got 31 games played, 39 points acquired. Forest, sorry, Forest are in 18th, 12 points behind uh, Chelsea. So Chelsea, 12 points clear of safety. But um, I want to bring your attention to the fixtures they've got left, right? So they've obviously got Madrid coming up tomorrow. Obviously, that's a different competition. But they've got to play Brentford, you know, a team that's beaten Man City away from home. They're a team that have got some very good players. They've got to play you guys after that, who are obviously a team who are currently first in the league. Bournemouth are showing some fight. They've just beaten Spurs. They're playing Chelsea at home. they got Forrest at home. That's probably uh, at least a draw because Forrest are in poor form. But, you know, look at City. They've got to play Man City. They've got to play Newcastle. Brighton, I've just mentioned. Newcastle again. And then they've got to play on the final day uh, Fulham, who, whilst they're probably on the beach, they'll have Mitrovic back by then. they got a win on the... We, they got some good players there. So, you know... That's only well, twelve points there. Twelve points. That's only four games. So they they they'll, they'll probably lose to Arsenal. They'll probably lose to City. They'll lose to Newcastle. I think they'll lose to Brighton, uh, and Newcastle twice. So that's that's five five drop points already. Five losses. Will maybe a draw here and there with those five games. So with our, with Chelsea, I I I think that I think they'll be I think they'll be fine. I think they'll find a way. They have got too much talent in that squad. You know, they've got so many good players. They spent that much money. They shouldn't be really doing this. But, you know, Lampard, you know, proved it with Everton. He almost brought them down and was almost doing it this year as well as last year. So, I I, I think that Chelsea, I think there's albeit a very, 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 very small chance that they could, they could go down. Do you think that's possible? Or do you think that they've already got too many points to be worrying about, be worrying about that? Um, you may want to start that again, mate, because... I think the fixtures you read at the end against Brighton and, and Newcastle and Fulham, it, that's their friendlies. Oh, bugger, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering why they were playing Newcastle twice. I thought maybe it was a rearranged game from months ago. Um, okay, so, so the final got game... You, got to play United as well. So the, the final game is against Newcastle, 28th of May. Why have they put the... Oh, I don't want to put friendlies on there. But um, but yeah, no, I, I think he, he, even without this, they're still going to play Chelsea, Newcastle... You know, Bournemouth is showing fight, but, but also all that. So I, I think that it's um, yeah, I think it really is a concerning time for Chelsea fans. But I personally think it's too too late in the season to be worrying about that. I think that they have enough points considering your teams aren't exactly winning games either. What's your thoughts on that? I mean, I don't believe they'll go down. Um, we should, uh, yeah, I just I can't see that happening unless they did go on and lose every single game but obviously 
that's relying on the teams below them all picking up points as well. But as you've mentioned, the fact that they do have to go away to United, away to Arsenal, away to City, you know, home obviously to Newcastle as well and, and Brentford, they, they've got an extremely hard running. And I do think that they will still finish in the bottom half. I don't think they'll finish any higher than 10th, which would be uh, a complete and utter embarrassment for a club that has just spent, you know, over, over half a half a billion pounds in the last couple of transfer windows have gone through what now three managers in the space of a season. It's utterly shameful what the owners of that club are doing right now. Not that I care too much because I've always had a strong dislike and disdain towards Chelsea and for everything that they represent since uh, 2004. But even so, considering what they've spent, it's it's absolutely crazy that they're in the position in which they are in and the players ultimately need to look at themselves and take some kind of responsibility. You know, when you, when you've, or, although they weren't showing that kind of form really under, under Tuchel as much, you know, for a similar in a way to Arsenal under Unai Emery, because I read the athletic article and there were, there were spells where the Arsenal players were, were taking the mickey out of Emery and, you know, um, how he spoke um, in press conferences and whatnot. And, you know, they were really sort of taking the piss. And that seems to be what the Chelsea players, some of them have done um, in regards to, to Graham Potter. You know, there were a lot of, you know, almost tr- funny jibes and remarks about him and whatnot. And I'm thinking, you know, he he may not have brought some of them to the club, but at the end of the day, he's the gaffer, he's the manager, you know, You've got to show show some level of respect and yeah for 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 what they've done and the performances they've been put put in. If I was a Chelsea fan, you know I'd be disgusted with what I've been watching over recent weeks. And even against Real Madrid, Real Madrid weren't that good in that in that Champions League quarterfinal. Um, you know they 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 were not at the same level we've seen at certain stages this season. And Chelsea still looked toothless against them. They offered absolutely nothing. And their transfer strategy is just bonkers when it comes to the type of players that they're going for. You know, they're, and they, 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 they may try and keep Jao Felix for next season, but if they did, it, it, would, it would be crazy unless they were looking to sell Kai Havertz because they're going to have Kai Havertz, um, Christopher Nkunku, who's coming in from RB Leipzig, and maybe Jao Felix, all three players are basically like for like in, in, in terms of how they play and where they play on the pitch. So that that is never, ever going to work. It's just, I, I honestly, I, I'm, I'm lost for words how, how badly run that club is. Um, it's, it's madness. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that whilst, you know, he did he did leave and obviously not the best circumstances, but... You know, we can say all you want about Bramovich, but he he did care. He was there for every game. He he the club was managed very well. Very cheap signings. It wasn't a path maybe the first year or two. It wasn't complete like overhaul yeah. like it is now. But you know, I think that Madrid game, even though I fell asleep second half, the first half I was watching there was bells, especially the first twenty minutes until Madrid scored. Chelsea had their chances. I mean, there was that chance for Felix, especially that was the one that really he should have scored and. um I think he may maybe it would have changed that. But I think for them, 2-0 down, 
I think they, they can still do it, but I think it's very unlikely. But, you know, I think there'll be a massive um, departure in the summer. I think that, well, I think Habits, I think if I should sell him because he's had his chances, whilst he got the goal in the final, what he done apart from that, really, apart from the odd goal here and there? Whilst I think he's a, a heart of good player, I just don't think he's working out at Chelsea. I think Mason, unless Lampard gets a job next season, Mason Mount will be gone. I think they'll finally let Loftus cheek um go somewhere else. You know, I think Sterling might be a one and done kind of player. Mendy, I think, will leave unless some new coach comes in and thinks he's better than Kepa, which I don't think is the case right now. I think Kante might leave, uh, but they might keep him just for nostalgic reasons. Bamiang will leave. I think Pulisic will leave. You know, Broja, he might leave because he might want to get a chance. Kukurelli, you could argue, maybe leave because he's not been great there. And also, um, he the new guy comes in, might think he's not my player. Conor Gallagher, I think, well, I think I don't know how Ziyech is still there. I'm surprised he hasn't gone away as well. So I think we'll see a lot of players leave. And I, I can't see many. I, I can't. I think a lot of more leave. Especially is not as if they're doing well with these players at the moment. So they've got an excuse to get rid of them. Um, but yeah, for me, it's an absolute mess. And I think that, you know, I think that it'll, it'll, it'll come down to Bowley. And I think that whilst I think he did the right thing, get rid of Potter, because I think that sometimes these aren't these things these these things don't work out for everyone but I think he made it them I think it'll be a decision that will haunt Chelsea for the next five ten years I really do um sacking Tuchel um I do think that was crazy I mean I think if they sacked him for Nagelsmann or Enrique I'd have gone right fair enough uh, it was they weren't playing well you know but it was much like to defend Potter um it's not as if he had a great track record and I do think that to sack Tuchel at that point of the year was crazy in my eyes. I think that, that really is because I don't think they'd have been anywhere near this trouble in league table wise if Tuchel was there. Well, seen they, they may not have gone for the league, but they, they may well have still finished top four, fifth or sixth. And I don't think that it'd have been anywhere near this if he'd stayed. So I think that's really where it's began. I don't think Bolly's got a clue what he's doing most times. And I, I think that it's, yeah, it's not, I don't, I don't hate Chelsea because it's, um you know, I don't really have much hatred for them since Mourinho's left. But, I think it'd be great for the league if they go down. If 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 the worst was to happen, if the possible happen and they went down, I think it'd be the best thing to happen to this league because it'll show the league owners, show fans, it'll show players that you can't just put money at it and win. I know City approved it, I know Newcastle are proving it now, but I think if Chelsea were to go down, I think it'd be a massively good thing to leave because it'll show everyone that you can't just spend this money and automatically think that's going to get you places. So for me, yeah, I don't I don't think it's good for the league. Uh, most of the time, but I think this this kind of scenario, I think it'd be it'd be a good thing for the league. But we are going to move on now to Syria. But before we do that, we're going to head to a quick break, and when we come back. We'll then discuss all things going on in Italy. See you guys in a bit. And we're back. So we've talked all things Premier League. Um, this week, obviously, only just two of us, only one more league to cover, and that is Syria. Um, so, Ryan, take it away. Yeah. So it was almost a carbon copy, really, of what happened last week in terms of the results. And what I mean by that is if you didn't listen last week or catch up with what happened in Syria, Basically, we've got this massive fight at the moment for the Champions League places in Italy. Napoli 
will be soon champions. That's one place gone. Obviously, by the power of maths, that leaves three remaining champions leave places up for grabs. And fighting for those, you have Roma and Lazio, both Milan clubs, and Atalanta. So five clubs all vying for those three places. Now, I spoke last week on the in on the great form that both Rome sides are showing at the moment, and it carried on into the weekend. You know, Roma they won three nil um, at home, dominant performance against Udinese. Tammy Abraham back scoring as well after a slow start to the season, but he's starting to look much better. And this was a a game in which Roma did rotate quite heavily, given that they are still in Europe. So, and and they do have a first leg deficit to overturn too. So, it was a uh, you know all round you know a great night for for Mourinho, and I expect them with with the consistency that they're showing and the form that they're showing. You know, they've won the last three in the league now. I do feel like unless they do blow up in these last uh, remaining fixtures that they will get the Champions League place. Lazio, I also feel, will get second. Again, they have been wonderful lately. Eight games now unbeaten in the league. Three clean sheets from their last four. Um, Chirilo Immobile was back scoring as well at the weekend. Not been his best season. Only 10 league goals in this campaign but it was nice to see him uh, back on the score sheet even though he was actually involved in a car accident over the weekend um, involving a tram which was uh, quite disturbing to hear at first but it turns out he was all right just you know, a, bit, a little bit bruised but yeah he was all good and, and they were they were they were very very good against uh, Spezia Felipe Anderson scored a, a really lovely team goal intricate passing in the box and they almost made it a bit too complicated, but he did very well to finish it. And yeah, they won 3-0 as well. Great performance from them. And it looks like we're going to see both Rome sides in the Champions League next season, which is absolutely fantastic for the city. And um, not so much for the fan bases, because uh, although I don't want to point the finger at the whole fan bases, because I know how frustrating that is, but certain sections of not just Lazio and Roma fans, but other fans in Italy, it's, it's, it's becoming... Well, it's always been a big problem, but lately it's it's been growing out of control in these big dusts up, you know, between rival fans, and it's it's spilling over into into cities, into pedestrian areas, and we're seeing, you know, there's hooligans um all over the place now, all over social media, and you know, there is something that they need to get a grip on very quickly. The the authorities in Italy because it's going to come to a point where it gets too far and we're going to start seeing, um, you know, the absolute worst of what could, you know, come from this. So that's something that they do need to get a grip of very quickly. Um, in terms of the Milano clubs, uh, well, Milan, they only just got a, a draw away to Bologna. I mentioned Bologna last week have been in very good form under Thiago Monster and, yeah, they scored in the first minute, did Bologna. They 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 looked very, very good. But you know, it took a very good goal from uh from Tommaso Pobega uh, to to draw level. And it's in the balance now for next season whether they do, you know, get the Champions League or not. I mean, they have the advantage over Napoli um from the quarterfinals, but I don't see it at the moment anyone beating Manchester City, so 
I don't think they can put their eggs into that basket. With the other side of Milan Inter, they are in free fall at the moment. They are now five games without winning the league. They were being at home this weekend to Monza. It was a massive win for them, a great win for them, especially with you know Silvio Berlusconi being ex AC Milan, who uh, who actually promised his players that if they went and beat Inter at the San Siro, they would buy the whole squad um, a bus full of hookers. So we'll keep an eye out oh, for that what? one. <laughs> hookers. What? <laughs> um, That's yeah. Yeah, obviously um Silvio's got a checkered history when it comes to that sort of thing. So yeah, um I'd be interesting to see if, if he fulfills that promise or not. But yeah, it was uh it's another major blow to, to Inter's hopes for Champions League next season. And I you know, we mentioned it last week on if they did miss out, it would be financially catastrophic to the future of the club if they if they don't get that, that you know 70 80 odd million minimum euro income in and uh it would actually probably be good news for maybe liverpool um who are being linked to nicolo barella mm. because you know if they if they desperately need the money that's going to drive the price down for for someone like barella so that's an interesting one to to watch. Um, again, they have the advantage in the Champions League over Benfica. Not a result I don't think anyone saw coming. Benfica were awful in that quarterfinal first leg in Lisbon and Inter. They got what you know they needed to do. They got the two 0 win, and it's advantage to them. Although with the form that they're in, I I don't uh, I don't feel like Benfica should go there fearing the worst. I think they can definitely go there and get a result and and still make it through to the semi-finals. But it's not looking good at the moment for um, for the Nezzurli. And last but not least, Juventus. Obviously, we know the season that they've had. We know the troubles and the, and the tribulation off the pitch. Um, it looked like they were starting to get some kind of consistency. They were starting to pick up results and whatnot. But it's now back-to-back defeats in the league. So that's ended any slim chance of rescuing a top four finish now for this season. They're now nine points um, off the top four. They're seven away from Inter and fifth, which is the Europa League place um, in Serie A. They do have the advantage, though, in the Europa League against uh, Sporting. So I would imagine that's where they've put all their eggs at this stage in terms of trying to win that competition it's a trophy and it's a route back into the Champions League for next season. So I would imagine that is exactly what they're going for. But they're up against some very informed teams in the Europa League stages. And with the again, with the form that they're showing at the moment, I would not expect to see them lift that trophy. But it is Juventus, so you never know. But apart from that, um, there wasn't really too much else happened. Fiorentina and, and Atalanta played tonight in what looks like a very intriguing game because Fiorentina have been in sensational form of late. You know, they're picking up wins left, right and centre. Um, they were they were excellent again um, in the Europa Conference League. I would imagine that they would get to the final with that pretty comfortably. Um, they're only in ninth in the table, but they do have a game in hand on, on Bologna and Juventus above them. If they win the game in hand, they go level with those two sides. So I think the highest that they could 
potentially finish would probably be, be seventh, maybe sixth if we see, you know, a free fall from Atalanta and, and a win for Fiorentina tonight over those. Could very well be the start of that. Um, yeah, just just sort of quickly on the bottom of the table, Sampdoria and Cremonese, it's done. They're pretty much going down. There's there's no real uh, redemption story for those. But for Verona, again, we touched on it last week that they got that um, unlikely result against the Swolo and they picked up a precious point at the weekend, which because Spezia did lose to Lazio, is now three points between the two sides. Um, Lecce are only a couple of points above those. So we could yet see a bit of a relegation scrap if Verona can pick up maybe a win or two in these final, what, eight games of the season, which could make things very much interesting down at the bottom where a couple of weeks ago it looked like all three teams would go down. So very, very interesting and still plenty to play for in Italy. Yeah, and I think you also I want to touch on Barella because you know he's someone that has been linked heavily his moved to Liverpool recently, and I think I would certainly having watched him, albeit a lot less than you have, I think having watched him in the Euros for Italy, I thought he looked fantastic. So I think that would be good, and I think you know um, you mentioned before about Lazio and Mukumi at the Champions League, they're currently second and third, into right now missing out, and I think that it it will certainly help us. Especially with teams knowing we need midfield, it would certainly help lower the price. Um, but you mentioned um, Lazio and Roma being good for their league if they're back in Champions League. But speaking of Champions League, as it stands, it's going to be an AC Milan Inter Milan semi final of the Champions League. I mean, for how the history these teams have in this tournament, how good would that be if it was an Inter AC semi? It would be for strange because of the form that they've both shown. So the fact that they both get to that stage of the competition is, would, would well, it, it would be remarkable. The trouble is with Inter against Milan is you never know what type of game you're going to get. We've seen this season, obviously one that you covered, which was incredibly boring, incredibly dull. Both teams playing very, very poorly. But we've also seen in recent seasons you know, then play out some absolute bellers. So I don't know. It depends on the form that they both show going into the semifinals, if in fact they do get there. I I do believe Napoli will turn it around against Milan. I just, even though Napoli are going to be missing, you know, one or two players now through suspension for that semifinal, I just, I just think how how how, how they blow teams away you know, they can still make it. But for Milan, all they've got to do is, is go there and, and, and they can sit on that 1-0 lead at the end of the day um, and just play counter-attack. So they both have every chance of a semi-final. Um, I, do, I don't know what to expect from Inter in terms of their game against Benfica. I, I think that's just an, an absolute coin flip, even with the 2-0 lead. So... Yeah, it would it would it would be absolutely amazing for for Italian football though if they do make it into that semi-finals and of course um, we'll be in lovely Thailand to enjoy that at silly time in the morning. But I will um, I'll have my my Milan shirt ready and waiting if that is the case. Yeah, I mean that'd be fantastic. I mean, with how popular Thailand is for tourists, it may even be some 
fans of Inter AC there, which will make it even nicer with knowing how passionate they are. And of course, if you are listening to this podcast and thinking, oh, I wonder what it's like to experience this game at the San Siro. Well, we have that for you. If you go on our YouTube channel, you can find the vlog from about a year and a half ago where me and Naeem on the, from this podcast went to the game. So yeah, do check that out. You know, it's got about 11,000 views at the moment. So if you want to give us some more views and do check it out, if you want to experience, uh, want to see what the experience is like um, of going to the Milan Derby at the San Siro. Um, of course, at the moment, Napoli are 14 points clear. There's eight games left. So that's 24 points available. So they could theoretically win this title within three weeks, maybe. Mm. So, yeah. It looks well. It's pretty much a, a, a foregone conclusion, anyway. But but yeah. speaking from a um, a mathematical point of view, and 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 actually and actually sealing it for, for sure, yeah, it it will more than likely be in the next few games. Obviously, it would have helped if they if they beat Verona at the weekend, but it is what it is. Um, I don't expect them to 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 win every single game, but it's um. It's pretty much done. You've already got the fans getting ready for the celebrations in the streets of Naples. I can imagine that's going to be some some incredible scenes um, when when they are confirmed and and when they do indeed do a uh, do a trophy celebration um, in the city. Um, it's a city that's got a lot of bad press over recent years, so it would be it would be great for them if uh, if they do indeed go on to seal it. Yeah, I agree. It should be a good atmosphere. I imagine, imagine there. Uh, but that is the end of the podcast. Uh, before we do go, um, speaking of Syria, uh, speaking of our YouTube channel, we have released a video in the last few days where Ryan goes through the crazy career of Mario Riccardi. So if you are interested in that, then do check out the video. We have got one next week coming for you, um, which is all to do with the Liverpool Coutinho transfer, what happened with, with, uh, with that transfer and what's happened since. But yeah, in the meantime, this has been the Euro Trips football podcast. I've been Andy, this has been Ryan, and we'll see you guys next time.